The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey, everybody. It's Gene Chatsky. Thank you so much for joining us today on Everyday Wealth. Today's show is an important one because there is something very concerning. Some people might even say tragic happening to the family dynamic in this country. Day after day, it feels like society is becoming more polarized, whether we are talking about politicians on TV or family members on social media. It seems like on a regular basis, we see people yelling at each other. Ideas and opinions, they're no longer debated with the spirit of good faith. Instead, our beliefs have become dogmatic. If you don't believe what I believe or agree with what I'm saying, not only are you wrong, but in the eyes of many, you're now a bad person. Given this backdrop, it shouldn't surprise anyone to learn that this sort of societal estrangement to some extent mirrors what's going on with the families in this country. According to a survey by Cornell's Family Reconciliation Project, 27% of Americans, that's 68 million people, are now estranged from their family. For those of you who, like me, count on your family every day, that is an unbelievably high number. And yet, according to Dr. Carl Pilmer, the project's director, most people in this situation are there because of what started as a rift with an immediate family member that eventually boils over. The break in contact can happen gradually. It can happen suddenly. But what you eventually get is estrangement, which Cornell defines as the discontinuation of contact between two or more relatives. Fast forward, and 24% of people in this country are estranged from a parent, 14 from a child, 30 from siblings. The remainder are estranged from other relatives. There are some studies that suggest that up to 26% of adult children are estranged from at least one parent. Now, of course, family estrangement is not a new phenomenon. It is a running theme through many old and ancient texts, including, but not limited to, Shakespeare, King Lear, anybody, and the Bible. And way back in the 1980s, the popular advice columnist Ann Landers got so many requests for help regarding estranged family members, she actually suggested creating a National Reconciliation Day on which we should try to 
mend fences with our loved ones. Of course, the irony here, as many of you may know, is that she, Landers, was famously estranged from her own twin sister, Abigail Van Buren, better known as Dear Abby, for almost a decade. But as the world around us has gotten more complex and more interconnected, it's brought with it new challenges in the way that we relate to each other. And those new pressures seem to be weighing disproportionately on families. Look, I know you know this show is about financial planning. It's about your financial well-being. So you might be asking yourself, what does financial planning have to do with family estrangement? And the answer is more than you might think. When I first sat down with the folks at Edelman Financial Engines to discuss launching this show, one of the things that we agreed on was that we were going to give you straight talk about financial planning, even around difficult subjects, especially around difficult subjects, even if we ruffled some feathers. And so I just want to acknowledge that that's what I may be about to do with some of you. The truth is there may be situations where estrangement is a considered and deliberate choice. And if that's the case, then you need to make sure you have an estate plan in place that not only honors, but protects your wishes when you pass on. Okay, now that I have put that all out there, I'd like to welcome back to the show Andy Smith, who, as regular listeners may know, is a wealth planner with Edelman Financial Engines. Andy, thanks for being here. Always good to see you. Jane, I always appreciate being set up for sometimes the diciest, most difficult, gut-wrenching conversations that we have, but uh, it we, is always good to see We keep you on speed dial just oh my for gosh. those. You're yeah, our go-to guy. This is terrible stuff. Let's go to Andy. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to see you. Good to see you. So, so those stats that I, yeah. I referenced earlier, they are really, really troubling. And, and going by the numbers, what that means is that a sizable number of people who are listening right now are estranged from a family member or their family in general, or they know somebody who is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like in college or the military or any sort of uncomfortable situation. Somebody says, look to your left, look to your right. One of you is going to be gone, right? And it's the same thing. If you aren't dealing with some sort of estrangement issue on your own, you know somebody who is, um, and it's a lot more prevalent than I think people uh, can appreciate. But it's something that we're that we're all dealing with, and it's not if you're dealing with it, it's kind of how you're going to be processing things as you work through these situations. I'm curious to know, as a financial planner, what role you play in these situations. I mean, we know that you border on being a therapist, but you're not a therapist. So how do you help your clients in these emotionally charged situations? One of the first things that I try to do is just go back to some sort of unemotional construct that everybody can look at and or everybody can work on. A lot of times that's going to be a very comprehensive, thoughtful, up-to-date estate plan. And you're going to want to make sure that you've got one of those in place. Um, money just on its own is an incredibly emotional topic. Well, the same thing goes for relationships. And so when you mix the two, 
then you basically have this highly combustible, you know, situation where there's going to be a lot of decision making involved. There's going to be a lot of emotional compromises that are involved. You know, one of the worst things that can happen is that you have to kind of work through all of these decisions and you're just so emotionally unable to work through these things that very key sorts of estate planning decisions, retirement planning decisions, income planning decisions just aren't being made. So one of my jobs as a planner is to help clients kind of navigate a lot of the financial issues. I mean, we'll talk about the emotional stuff. We'll talk about the family stuff. But what I'm trying to do is work through the money, the income, the retirement, the insurance, all of the other things in as kind of the least emotional way possible because what I'm able to do is kind of be aware of the situation and know the different moving parts, but I'm not necessarily one of those moving parts. So sometimes people are talking to me when they're trying to talk to somebody else, or a lot of times I'm asking the questions that nobody else wants to just to get the ball rolling with that conversation. It's your job in every situation to be objective, but I would imagine particularly in situations like this. Absolutely. I mean, look, I'm a human being. I've been doing this for a very long time and I continue to do it because I'm, you know, I want to try to help people. And so when it comes to financial matters, um, you know, with estate planning or retirement planning or income planning, I can bring kind of multiple decades worth of perspective and kind of objectivity to the situation. Again, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's family's different. But a lot of the emotions can ring the same. And so it's a matter of saying, hey, I know that this isn't you, but in some other situations, this is what we've worked through. And again, it's not kind of a you know, perfect salve for anything, but it, it allows people to kind of take that first step, second step, third step forward as they're navigating some pretty dicey family situations. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you for this, but I'm going to ask you for this and and maybe you can just hide (laughs) personal details and make it make it a little more generic. But I would love to know, you know, what you've dealt with. I mean, what you've seen in your office. Oh, boy. Um, So there's, you know, basically abandonment issues, um, children with parents. There's kind of the deadbeat mom or deadbeat dad that left at an early age and now all of a sudden they're back and they don't know how to deal with it. There's obviously kind of the situations, the terrible relationships, uh, brother to sister or sibling to sibling, sibling to parent. And then now all of a sudden there's a health issue involved. And then so now the emotional strings are pulled even more because here's this person going through some terrible illness, some terrible disease, but that doesn't necessarily change the decades worth of trauma that have already existed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like the wheel of fortune. You spin it, and chances are we've seen it and we've dealt with it. But what we always try to do is acknowledge the emotion, acknowledge the relationship issues, but then always go back to something quantitative, something that is as emotionless as possible, which is the plan, which is the estate plan, which is kind of how are you going to get to and all the way through retirement and your income plan and not kind of, you know, severely harm yourself in the process. 
At hermoney.com, we like to say we're a judgment-free zone because that enables people to talk about their money in a, in a much freer and less self-constrained kind of a way. And I have to imagine that in these situations, you are the ultimate judgment-free zone. I mean, you, I'm sure, have been faced with scenarios where people come to you and they say, I don't want to leave anything to that one of my three children. Right. And you um, got to make so, that happen. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, you're, you're putting some pretty uncomfortable situations. Um, you know, as a fiduciary, we are all duty bound, kind of legally obligated to do what is in the client's best interests. And so you're a human being. And when you're able to sit on the same side of the table with someone and kind of work through these issues, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I, you know, I'm not some broker that has seven to 10 magical stocks that, hey, you're going through this. This is what you want to be in right now. Or let's put you in this product or this product. It's really, look, what are you going through? What are you trying to accomplish? There's some time to have that conversation, but that fiduciary obligation, you know, allows me to always put my client's best interest first. I mean, you talked about being a therapist. We obviously want to be empathetic and have to be empathetic to the client and sensitive to the unique situations. So you're always actively listening. You're kind of tailoring this plan to them. But a lot of times what we see is that people come in and they have these, you know, terrible emotional Um, kind of situations that they're going through. And what compounds the problem is that they have no plan. They have no strategy to be able to say, this is where we are right now. This is where we're trying to get to. These are the two or three things that we need to do in the next couple of months to start everything off. And then we go back and we update the plan and we figure out what we have to do there. But if you don't have a plan, you can't tailor a plan. You don't have any strategy to be able to make that work. And so when you're dealing with all of these complexities of family dynamics, then everything just gets worse and worse from there. Well, I mean, the worst case scenario is if you don't have a plan, because then you have no choices. Can you talk about what happens if you just die and there is no plan in place? Who gets to decide? Well, if you don't have any plan, then that's when the, the, you know, your state's intestacy laws kind of kick in. You basically are dying intestate. You have no estate plan. And then everything goes through probate, right? So in the, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you have X number of children. They get X, you know, in some equal, you know, percentage of your assets. Sometimes there's things where you're situations where you're trying to plan around a particular person or you're trying to plan around a particular person, but, you know, you want to provide for their children or their heirs and assigns, you know, that's great. But, you know, yeah, worst case scenario, if you don't have any plan in place, then basically the state is going to, I mean, you're going to go through probate. And it's an incredibly long, drawn-out process at times. And it could be that all of the things that you wanted to happen uh, or didn't want to happen as it relates to some family members may actually happen because depending upon your state's intestacy laws, they're looking at family members as equal receivers potentially of your assets. So essentially, if you don't have an estate plan in place and you did not want to leave your estate equally, you've just 
put the kibosh on that. But even if you do have one in place, I know that there are some situations where estates are challenged right. in court and, and sometimes those challenges are successful. How do you set yourself up for success in this situation? It seems like success is the wrong word to use given what we're talking about, but how do you set yourself up so that what you want to happen actually happens? So I think there's a couple of ways to approach it. The The idea is to start early and to start having conversations with the necessary people. So obviously an attorney for the estate plan, sometimes accountants are involved. Obviously, um, you know, a, a fiduciary advisor, a financial planner who's able to kind of look out for your interests and kind of work everything together um, to make sure that there is a plan. You know, what do you have? What are you trying to accomplish? Who do you want to have different things? You know, in our office, there were a couple of situations here recently where some plan was in place, but then the heirs and the the beneficiaries got involved and the things that they wanted to do just weren't possible. Well, that's a lot easier of a situation to work through because there was some plan in place that we could go back to and say, no, this is the estate plan. This is kind of what the, the construct is that we have to work within. And then we knew what we had to do from there. If you don't have anything then you're dealing with probates. Again, estranged family members can challenge the estate and, and all of a sudden these people that you didn't want to receive assets you know, are, are potentially in the, you know, in, this, in the driver's seat here to be able to get something. The other thing that we've also seen is when there's different families or multiple marriages. So the first set of children from the first parent um, prior to his or her passing, you know, they may have some plan in place. And then with the stepchildren or maybe, you know, half brothers, half sisters, there's some different things in place. You know, what it all comes down to is kind of looking in the mirror, forcing yourself to actually do the things that are very difficult to do. It is very difficult to confront your mortality. It's difficult to figure out and say, this is what I want to happen when I'm not around. But if you can have the conversation and have instructions in place while you are of sound mind and able body, that allows people, when you're not around, to have something to go through to work to pick up the pieces. If you don't run to the problem from the beginning, then it's, it's just going to be that much more difficult later when you're not around. Right. And this is important. I mean, you don't want your estate plan or your lack of estate planning to exacerbate the family estrangement that we're talking about. Right. It can get very complex. And look, the thing is, when it comes to financial planning, just like with investments or retirement planning or income planning, one size doesn't fit all. So maybe you want to disinherit an estranged family member and cut them out completely. Maybe you want to leave some money to that person, um, but a smaller amount to some siblings, but try to, you know, accommodate or adjust for children of this estranged family member. Maybe you want to leave, you know, a family an equal share, but you're trying to exclude someone from being an executor of your estate. You know, maybe you're an adult child who you're not estranged, but you're dealing with issues of addiction. And you're worried that if there are equal numbers of assets being divided up among all the different siblings of the family members, that 
this person is going to receive a tremendous amount of money and potentially make some pretty life-altering mistakes. So it, it all comes down to kind of defining what your situation is. If you don't know what you have, where it is, how much it's worth, beneficiaries in their current form, you know, it's even that much more difficult. So you got to kind of get your own financial affairs in order first with your own financial plan. And then from there, kind of work through all of the different estate planning, tax planning issues. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there is no end to all of the different permutations out there that people are trying to accommodate when it comes to estate planning. But what I like about what you've been saying is that in some ways, having this plan in place takes the responsibility and and in some cases, even the blame off of the surviving family members. And as you said, it gives people a place to pick up the pieces and and start to move on. So with that in mind, how, how do you want to send our listeners out into the world if they're struggling with this situation? Yeah, first of all, you know, you're not alone. This may be the first time that you're dealing with this situation, but it's not the first time that anyone has ever dealt with this situation. And when you're thinking about financial planning, yes, money's involved, but it's a lot more than just money. You know, we always used to say money isn't everything. It's just having it makes things a whole lot easier. It's the people in your life that really are worth a million bucks. And when you're going through financial planning, when you're going through estate planning, you are basically writing a love letter to these people that they may never read until you're dead. So as you go through the different choices in your estate plan, you have to remember that they all the different decisions that you make, all the different choices that are in front of you, they have the potential to alter your family's dynamics for generations after you're gone. So to the extent that you can start early, have the difficult conversations, walk away, come back, think more, enlist trusted advisors, accountants, attorneys, financial planners, you need to have somebody that you can trust on your side because you need to have somebody who understands what you're trying to accomplish and understands what you are seeing as the best interests of your family. And then from there, you can kind of check all the different things off your list. But it's the idea of running towards the problem, addressing the situations, having the difficult conversations, you know, and if you have questions about this, if you don't have anything in place, you know, get some help, talk with a trusted advisor, because these are important things that can happen. And a lot of times these plans are enacted at the drop of a hat. You don't plan for the time when all of a sudden you're going to be dead because nobody knows when that's going to happen. Have the difficult conversations right now. Thank you so much for all of these great insights. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Erin Smith, no relation to Andy. She is a director of estate planning at Edelman Financial Engines. She's going to help us take a deep dive into this complex issue. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second guessing your investment decisions? 
What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner. Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking with me here on Everyday Wealth. I'd like to introduce or welcome back Erin Smith. She is a director of estate planning at Edelman Financial Engines with two decades of experience. She's also a lawyer admitted to the bars of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Erin, so great to have you back. Thank you, Jean. I am delighted to be back. So our topic for today is estate planning when there is an estrangement in the family. Um, before we narrow the focus, what's Edelman Financial Engine's position on estate planning in general? So we believe that everyone needs an estate plan. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your marital status. It doesn't matter your net worth. It doesn't matter whether or not you have kids. We believe that everyone needs an estate plan. And for those people who aren't familiar, what are the basic components of that plan? Yeah, so every estate plan for everyone in the world um, consists of four different elements. Um, so there is a durable power of attorney. So this is a document where you're naming someone to make financial and other non-healthcare decisions on your behalf. The second element is a healthcare power of attorney, uh, or you might see this called an advanced director for healthcare. But this is the document where you're naming someone to make healthcare decisions for you if you're not able to make those decisions for yourself. And the third element is a last will and testament. And your last will and testament does three things. If you have minor children, it, it appoints a guardian for those children. It's going to appoint an executor who's in charge of settling out your estate. And it's also going to direct how you'd like your assets to be distributed when you pass away. And then the fourth element is making sure all of your beneficiary designations are coordinated. Perfect. Thank you so much for, for the quick summary. When we talk about issues of estrangement, how does an estate plan fit in? So estate planning, you know, we just said it, you know, everyone needs an estate plan. But if you have a special circumstance, such as some estranged family members, estate planning is even more important because it's only with an estate plan that you're able to choose the people who are going to make financial and healthcare decisions for you if you're not able to make those yourself. And it's only with a properly executed estate plan that you're able to choose your beneficiaries. So you're able to choose those people who are going to receive your assets when you're no longer here. When you are making these decisions, often I think people don't have estate plans or don't want to go there because they're afraid that they're going to ruffle feathers or cause some sort of an estrangement. Um, is that your experience? It is. 
Um, I, I feel like a lot of people, they don't create an estate plan, not because they don't think it's important, but very often it's that they're conflicted about the choices. And so, you know, under the laws of the United States, no one is entitled to an inheritance. So your children are not entitled to an inheritance. Grandkids aren't entitled to an inheritance, parents and siblings. No one is entitled to an inheritance. You're able to choose your beneficiaries. Um, And personally, I think that everyone should choose the estate plan that helps them sleep the best at night. And whether that is uh, treating an estranged child, just like the rest of the family, um, whether that is, um, you know, providing guardrails around an inheritance for an estranged child who, um, you know, may not be the most fiscally responsible or, you know, might have some lifestyle choices, um, you know, might not really care to work so much um, that you don't agree with, but create the estate plan that makes the most sense to you because it is very personal to you. And also estate plans can always be changed. So, you know, we always hope that estrangements are going to end and that families are are reunited. And if that's the case, you can always change your estate plan. You know, these aren't meant to be static. They're meant to evolve with you and your family situation and your net worth. So don't feel like the estate plan that you create today that reflects an estrangement is what you're always going to have because they can always be changed. So long as you're alive and you have just a little bit of mental capacity, you can change your estate plan. On the flip side, if you set up your estate plan and you do it incorrectly, it could offer a legal opening for an estranged family member to challenge it, correct? That is absolutely correct. It's not enough to have an estate plan. So it's not enough to just put your thoughts down on paper. You need an estate plan that is drafted correctly, and you need an estate plan that is signed with the proper formalities. So when you're creating an estate plan, you want to be really clear about who your beneficiaries are. Um, If you have four children and you only intend that three of your four children are going to be a beneficiary of your estate, you want to be really clear about that. If you have stepchildren that you want to include as your children for purposes of a distribution, you want to be really clear about that. You don't want to be vague about who your beneficiaries are. You also want to be really clear about what a beneficiary is going to receive under your estate plan. You know, if you say, um, you know, I'd like my daughter to have my gold ring. I mean, Jean, I don't know about you. I've got a dozen gold rings. Like that that doesn't help. You want to be specific. You don't want to leave any question or any ambiguity about what that really is. And then if you're creating an estate plan that might set up some conditions or some guardrails around an inheritance. So, for example, if you're going to create an irrevocable trust for a child that will hold their inheritance. You want to be really clear about the distribution standards. So what can the child make requests from that irrevocable trust for? Would you like it to be for any reason that the trustee deems to be prudent? Would you like it only to be for extraordinary healthcare expenses? There isn't a right or a wrong answer, but if you have very specific thoughts, you want to be very clear on that. And even if you have a 
perfectly drafted estate plan. Like it's perfect. Your beneficiaries are clear. Your property is perfectly described. You're very clear on distribution standards. It also has to be signed correctly. Because if that document isn't signed with the correct formalities, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Mm. So if you've ever signed a last will and testament, you remember that you go into a, a conference room at your attorney's office and your attorney is there and you sit at the head of the table and you have two witnesses and a notary and the attorney stands up and he puts a will in front of you and he asks questions. Do you know what this, you know, what is this document? It's right. my will. Have you read it? Does it dispose of your assets the way you want them to? Do you want um, Hank and Jane to witness your signature? And then the attorney stands there while you initial the bottom of each page. And then the witnesses watch you sign. And then you watch them sign. And then your attorney flips to the back and he reads an attestation clause in most states where everyone, the testator and the two witnesses, are agreeing that they saw everybody sign in the presence of the testator, in the presence of each other, that the testator did appear to be over the age of 18 and under no undue influence or constraint and didn't seem to be intoxicated. And all of that's done for a reason. It's not done so the attorney can show off and can show off that, hey, I really know what I'm doing. It's because there have to be certain formalities. And if those aren't recognized, that document, whether it's a last will and testament whether it's a living trust, a durable power of attorney, may not be recognized because it wasn't signed properly. You know, the, the, the line for two witnesses, it's not optional. Or the line right. for a notary, unless the document tells you it is, it's not optional. You, you have to sign everything correctly. Yeah. And, and I understand why this, it just ties people in knots and they worry about things that you wouldn't even think that they would necessarily worry about. I host another podcast called Her Money. It's sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Thank you guys for that. And we have a mailbag segment on our podcast where we take questions from our listeners. We got one this week and I, I pulled it to bring along to ask you. So if you don't mind, let me read it to you. Absolutely. It came in from an anonymous listener. We let our listeners be anonymous because they have questions that are about this kind of dodgy subject matter. So if they don't want to use their names, we understand. And and she writes, my question is about filial responsibility laws. My estranged parents reside in a state that has filial responsibility laws. I live in a different state, which does not have filial responsibility laws. I've not resided with them or received any financial support from them since I moved out in 1994 at age 17. We communicated infrequently and visited perhaps twice in person after that, but they permanently estranged themselves from me in writing in January 2021 because I am not a practitioner of their religion. I do not anticipate any future communication. I just stumbled across the concept of filial responsibility laws, and I'm curious if you have any recommendations for how to reduce one's risk of exposure in this setting of complete estrangement. I have savings in addition to protected assets like a home and retirement accounts, all from earned income. And she signs it. Thanks for your insights. Apologies for the emotionally fraught question. So she totally gets it. 
You totally gets it. Um, it is not an emotionally fraught question at all. It's a very um, legitimate question. Erin, before you answer the question, what are filial responsibility laws? So very broadly, filial responsibility laws are the laws in a number of states that say that children can be financially responsible for the health care costs of parents. And it's only under certain circumstances, and it's only in certain states. Generally speaking, this would be for parents who are under the age of 65. That's when Medicare would kick in. And there are generally some um, net worth requirements for the parents, really, that they would be impoverished. And I think if your listener is truly concerned about what type of financial responsibility she would have for her parents, and these laws vary based on the age of parents and and all sorts of different things, one of the best things that she can do would be to engage with an attorney in her parents' state and simply ask the question, say, you know what, I'm a little concerned about this. I'd like to be sure my assets are protected. What is it that I can do? And, and really seek some advice of counsel because these laws are, are very specific and they can have real um, financial impact for the children. So that would be the best bet. Spend a little bit of time, spend a little bit of money. These are things that can be done over Zoom or a telephone call and, and just get some advice of counsel. Amazing. Aaron. thanks. I mean, when we're talking about advice of counsel, in the work that you do at Edelman Financial Engines, are you creating estate plans for people, for your clients? So Edelman Financial Engines is not a law firm. So we don't draft estate planning documents. However, we work with our clients to create a roadmap for their estate plan. So we will sit down with our clients and we will talk through what an estate plan consists of. So we'll talk through all the various parts of the estate plan like we did a few minutes ago. And we'll talk about the decisions that the clients need to make. So for example, you know, for a husband and wife, who would you like to make healthcare decisions if you can't do it for each other? Who would you like to settle out your estate? And we can talk about the roles and responsibilities and can talk through considerations they might have about wealth transfer which is just a fancy term for saying, what would you like to have happen to your assets when you're gone? Um, and we'll talk through you know, special considerations such as estranged family members, or perhaps um, these clients live in a state that has a state level estate tax. And at the end of our conversation, our clients are going to walk away with a roadmap. So they know exactly what they need, the decisions are made, or they have a little bit of homework, And so when they sit down with their estate planning attorney, it's very efficient in terms of both time and money. And so all of the advisors are working together to create the best estate plan that works for our clients. Amazing. Erin, thanks for being here as always. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's show. Big thank you, as always, to both Andy Smith and Erin Smith for being here today and talking through this topic. If you've got questions about estate planning and how it can help facilitate a generational wealth transfer according to your wishes, you can always give the folks at Edelman Financial Engines a call. Talk with one of the planners like Andy who can help you make the best financial decisions for you and your family. And be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast wherever you stream your favorite podcasts or visit everydaywealth.com where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks again and we'll talk Talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. 
If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.